Well, Sarah and her friends came in yesterday, and so we've had a sorority house at our place, so the, these empty nesters, it, it got loud. And uh, we, we were so fun to have them, and so excited, so fun for us to see college students who are on fire for Jesus and, and want to reach others. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, there, you, there was a time in my life when I could watch the news and I, you know, whatever it was, and, and I would just believe it. I would just take it as gospel truth. I don't think we're there anymore. It doesn't matter what you're watching. You know, you got to have a you know a critical mind. You got to have a mind that's engaged in, in, in asking questions about what's going on. I think it's the same. It's probably always been that way with social media. Just because somebody posts something or somebody says something, it doesn't necessarily make it true. And so again, we have to have a a critical mind to be able to look. I, I think it's the same in the church. There have been things that have been said. In the church, down through time, I know in my years of ministry, things that I've heard that I'm like, I'm not really sure that's true. And so let me, let me give a couple of these that, I, that I've had over the years and see, what you, see if you've come across these. First one was this, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. That sounds really wise. I don't think it's true. If you look at the second letter that Paul wrote to Corinth, he said, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of what's going on in our life. We have faced persecution. We have been burdened beyond our own strength. We had the sentence of death. We thought our very lives were over. That sounds like more than you can handle. Maybe we could change it and go, God will never give you more than you can handle with him. That, that might be more accurate. But that could lead somebody to go, yeah, God, he'll never, he'll never give you more than you can handle. You know, it sounds like something you could have a poster on your wall or you could send it in a card. So I'm just not sure that's accurate. How about this one? When in doubt, follow your heart. I think we can thank Disney for that one. Probably the first time I remember going back was back when our girls were watching Pocahontas. It was probably the first one where it really came around and it's just like, just follow your heart. Well, you know, Gosh, and all over in the scriptures, Jeremiah, particularly Jeremiah 17, 9, says that the heart is deceitful. It's wicked beyond scope. And look, I've found my heart will deceive me. Your hearts will deceive you. They, they have got to be in submission to something. There's another one I've heard over the years. I believe in Jesus. I just don't want organized religion. That's probably someone who has been burned by the church at some point in their life, and so they're just like, just give me Jesus, but I don't want the church, is, is kind of what they're saying. And, you know, when I think in this, it's like, that'd be like me saying, I love Susan, I just don't believe in marriage. And you're like, well, those go together. Yeah, I mean, the, the church is the bride of Christ. It's obviously, it's an imperfect institution, but it, it is the bride of Christ, and so... You know, he's the groom, we're the bride, and so we're, there's this coming together on, on this. Another one I've heard over the years is, I like the God of the New Testament better than the one in the Old. I'm like, didn't know they were different. You know, Hebrews 13a, God's the same today, yesterday, and forever, you know, and so, yeah, there, I mean, no, no doubt, there's, there's some things in the Old Testament, I look and I'm going to ask the Lord someday and go, not quite sure why that was put in there and what was the whole thing on that, but I'm sure there's, you'll explain it to me now, and I'll have eyes to, and ears to be able to see and hear on this thing now, so that, that's okay. But when you look at the Old Testament, you see a, a God of long-suffering and patience and grace, and he didn't change. It wasn't like you go, you know what, gosh, 
Old Testament didn't work. Let's try something new. You know, let's, let's, let's do a pivot on our Godhood, you know, and, and, and try something and see if this will work. No, that wasn't it at all. Or uh, this one is one, uh, a lot of people grab this one and you hear it today. We all have our own truth. You just need to find your truth. And so you'll find this when you, like even watching the news and you'll hear them say, somebody will share their opinion and they'll go, hey, thanks for sharing your truth. It isn't thanks for sharing your perspective or thanks for sharing your opinion, you know, or thanks for sharing your slant on things. They'll say, thanks for sharing your truth. Well, what if your truth contradicts my truth? You know, and so you see this thing where this truth has just kind of become our opinions and it doesn't lock anybody down to anything. And, and we established last week that in, that in Corinth, it was a hotbed of intellectualism. I mean, there were great speakers. There were great debaters. There were great orders. They had, there was new thoughts on anything that was going on in time. And, and if they agreed on anything, it was this, that the gospel was foolish. They're like this person who's been crucified and has gone to this cross. That's foolishness. At least they agreed on that. And so this morning, as we continue through, we're going to go to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 16 is what we're going to cover today. And as we do, there's three big ideas that I want to cover this morning. And the first one is this, that what you win them with, you win them too. I'll explain that in a minute here. I want to talk about a word about wisdom because that gets thrown out a lot. You know, you, you, you hear in the Old Testament all the time, seek wisdom, pursue wisdom. I'm like, okay. I'll do that, but, but what's that look like? What is this thing? And then Paul describes some different types of wisdom, and there's a spiritual wisdom that I want to talk about. So let's just start with the first one. What you win them with, you win them to. And notice in the very first part of this, in chapter 2, Paul says, And it was so with me, brothers and sisters. In other words, this flows out of what he just said. And the last thing he just said was, If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. If you're going to boast about anything, boast about the Lord. And, and this wasn't a, an unusual case because people who came into Corinth, these great orders, these great speakers, there was a protocol. And generally the reason they did this is because they wanted to make a name for themselves and they wanted to make more money. And so what they would do, the protocol is, you would come into Corinth and you would speak eloquently about the city flowery language about what was going on. You'd speak in that tone, and then you would also speak about yourself and how great you were and how much you've accomplished, and you would do all those things. Why? Well, so then the greater you were, the more money you would get. Some things just don't change, do they? And so they just, they thought, well, I'll speak great about where I'm going. And so it, it would be like going, hey, Corinth, it is good to be amongst you today. Man, the beauty in Corinth is only outmatched by the intellectual prowess amongst all you people that are here. You are a smart, intellectual, above-the-normal-grade kind of people. It is good to be with you. I am glad to be here. I have been traveling the world, speaking and debating. I have sat under so-and-so as my intellectual mentor, and I am now mentoring right now three people who are the up-and-coming intellectuals of the world. And you can just see where they're just... They're boasting about the place, and they're boasting about themselves. That was all over Corinth. That was everywhere. But not so with Paul. 
Paul is a, a guy coming in. He's an order. He, he, he's this, he's a debater. He's a speaker. He's coming in, but he's coming in with the gospel. And notice how he says, when he go on in verse 2, he says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as you're used to. I, pro- I proclaimed you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> Notice he says, I'm not giving you any flowery speech here. I'm coming in with the basic bones of what you need to know. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. In other words, I am not here to bolster myself. I don't need anything from you. I am bringing to you what the, what the world needs to know. Now, the temptation here, I think, would have been if you get into a place and the gospel is, is, is not taking root so much, and, and people, and particularly in Corinth, it was a tough place. And so we had all these people debating the gospel and debating the crucifixion and all these kinds of things. It really would have been easy for Paul to pivot and go, man, let's soften the message. Let's, let's, let's get a message that's a little bit more palatable so that more people will come. Because they had the same temptation that we have today, and that is success equals bigness. The bigger you are, the more successful you are. That's always been part of human nature, and it has never been more untrue. So the bigger, the better. You know, the, the, the more we have, the more successful we have. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, when God is moving in something, it will grow. But it isn't this, this sense in which that's the, the, the do-all and end-all. And, and Paul knows it. And so he doesn't change the message because he knows that whatever I win them with, I will win them too. He may gain more followers if he softens the message, but then he's going to have followers who were very much biblically light and on thin ice. And they won't be able to take the persecution and the suffering and everything else that he knows that is going to come. It's kind of like if you win somebody with a health and wealth gospel and you promise them that they're going to get rich and they're going to have health if they accept Jesus into their life, and they do, and then their health goes south, or maybe something happens to them financially and they're financially really hurting, then guess what happens? They're going to run. Why? Because everything you promised me is not happening. And so they're out of there because what you win them with, you win them too. And Paul says, I can't lighten the message. Paul says, look, the message is hard, but it's very, very simple. You and I are desperately sick. We are in need of a Savior. We can't save ourselves. And Jesus came and died on a cross to take away your sins if you will surrender to him. And I love what he says at the very end of the section. He says this, I did it this way. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's the second time he said that. He says, I didn't come to you in human wisdom. I came to you in spirit's power. And here again, he goes, I don't want whatever I have to say. I don't want it just to be something man-made up that's going to be man-made language, that's going to be flowery, that's going to tickle your ears. I want to give you what you really need. 
And what you really need is a message that you cannot save yourself. You are incredible need. Which then brings us to a word about wisdom. You know, as you're reading through the scriptures, it's always good to look for repeated ideas because that just gives you what the author is really kind of getting at when, he, when he's writing and so as he, as he repeats things. There's two things that are repeated here. One is wisdom. It's repeated six times. Later we'll get on to the fact that the spirit is spoken about 12 times. There is more spoken about the spirit in this section of Corinthians than in the, than the rest when he talks about gifts, which is just amazing. And, and so here he is, and, and he's first just talking about this, this wisdom. And, and notice how he, in the passage, when, when we do this, as you look at this, we do, however, he says, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. Notice the contrast there. Or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom. A mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, and he quotes Isaiah 64 here, and he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so Paul here speaks of two types of wisdom. He says there's this wisdom of the age, this non-sanctified natural wisdom amongst men, and there's God's wisdom, which is a wisdom that's imparted by the Spirit and opens up a whole new understanding. It it gives you a whole new sense of as you see things, as you interpret things. It it gives you new eyes. It's kind of like as they were talking about, you know, now, uh, through the Spirit, when I go to the grocery store, I no longer just see people. I see people in need of a Savior. Well, there's some wisdom in that. But that wisdom doesn't come from human understanding. That comes from wisdom that is imparted by God, that is given to us. And the, but in other words, the commonality amongst this wisdom. When, when we talk about wisdom, because it's kind of, I don't know, but it's kind of out there. You know, get wisdom, give me wisdom, you know, all that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, well, so what are we actually talking about? And, and when we talk about wisdom, there's really three components to this. There, there's, there's the facts and the knowledge that we come to understand. Then there's the situational insight that we get when we walk through something and we, and we kind of interpret it as we get these eyes. And then the last part of that is actions that kind of go towards a goal. So there's wisdom involves three things. There, there's the knowledge, and then there's the insight, and then there's action. So with someone who's wise, it's a person who takes knowledge and then has insight with that knowledge and then has wise actions. Now, this is, both, this is not just for the believer. This is for any human being. We, we use this all the time. And so this is why... As you grow older, hopefully you become wiser. Even if you don't have Jesus, I would hope that you would become wiser just from experience. Let me give you just a real simple example of something that we've just um, gone through, you know, this common wisdom. I think all of us experienced freezing rain this week and the, the ice storm, and as it came down and it hit the roads and, you know, everybody panics. And I did a very unwise thing. I went to Walmart. You know, I was there and I'm thinking, 
I'm a fool. You know, history, you know, experience should have told me. Now's not the time, you know, to go to Walmart. But, but I was there. and I digress. You know, I saw, I, 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 you know, I'm all prepared. And, and I remember a few years ago, it got really bad. There was a snow and ice. And, and so I, I, in River Oaks, we live at the crest of a hill. So on either side of us, you, 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 you go down the hill. So we're at the top. And, and I backed out once on, in an ice storm. And I, I backed up, as you do. I, I backed out, and I went down the road. And, but, well, I, I got on the downside. And I started to slide. And the Abrahams lived a couple houses down, and I was down by their house, you know, by the time I stopped sliding. And, and so, I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this, that, that wasn't very wise. So now, you know, I stormed this time. I'm thinking, okay, I need to get out. My goal is to get to the office. And so what do I do? I back out and I go right into my neighbor's driveway across the street. Because he's at the crest of the hill too. So here's the deal. Facts, there's an ice storm. The, the roads are icy. We see it, right? Which gives me some situational insight. That is, don't back up and go down the hill. Because if you do, you could end up at the Abraham's house or in their mailbox in a way that they wouldn't want, you know? And so, you know, so situational insight tells me back into the neighbor's house because that's going to be the smart thing to do because that's going to allow you then to go down and then your momentum is going to be going down the other side to take you where you want to go. And so that's what I did. I backed into my neighbors, you know, pulled out, got downhill, got in and got to work. And you may go, well, what's so big about that? Well, that's not that big a deal. But that's, that's taking wisdom, that's taking knowledge, applying it to situational insight, which then leads to actions, and, and it was a wiser thing to do than to go back down the other way. A few years ago, we had somebody, gosh, you know, time just runs, and I don't know how, many, how long ago this was, we had somebody come to our house at three in the morning and they're ringing the doorbell. And, you know, I'm a deep sleeper, so by the time I found out what planet I'm on, you know, and, and woke up, you know, and, and I get to the door, and there's this guy standing at our door with a big box, and he goes, I got to get in your basement. I got to get in your basement. You know, first thing in my mind that I thought was, over my dead body in my boxers, are you getting in my basement? <laughs> you know, but here he is, and so I'm looking, okay, knowledge, I got somebody who's high on something who's knocking on my front door at 3 a.m. in the morning. He says he needs to get into my basement. Okay? Situational insight tells me he's not getting in my basement. Call 911. Which I do. Cersei PD was there. Bam. Somehow I, I, they, they got the guy, whatever. It, it made a very interesting next two hours. And, you know, it was a slow night, I think, in Cersei because everybody showed up. You know, <laughs> and, and so, you know, we were there and, and then the goal was eventually I got back to sleep, which, you know, that was the lofty goal, but I just want to go back to bed, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and by the time I get back to bed, it's like, what happened? And I'm like, not much, <laughs> you know, but that, that's just, that's just normal you know, wisdom that we do. But Paul says here that there's a wisdom that's different. 
But it's just, it, but it, it goes on the same thing. We have knowledge that gives us insight, that gives us, you know, towards a goal, you know, a, a resolution towards a goal. Paul says in this one, this is a wisdom for the mature. Now, he doesn't go, look, look I'm a believer, aren't I mature, and aren't you not? No, he's just basically saying, as opposed to those who are immature. In other words, you know, as kids, what, what do kids like? If you have little kids, you know this. They are fascinated by whatever is in front of them, right? Which is why some of you that have kids out there and you want to distract your kids, what do you do? You show them something in front of them and it distracts them because they're going with whatever's in front of them. Well, if adults don't mature, it's the same way. They can be fascinated with whatever is the new idea in front of them. Whatever is the new shiny thing. That's the thing that will fascinate us, and that's the thing that we want. And so that's what we see in the culture. We go, whoa, there's a great idea. Woo, I'll take that. Oh, really, that's not good. Okay, we won't do that. Woo, I want that. That's a good idea. You know, and, and so we'll see that fluctuating. Paul says this one is, is wisdom from God. It's a secret hidden wisdom. It's what only God can reveal. He says it's a wisdom that is not naturally appraised. None of the rulers of this age would have understood it, for they had it. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul, Paul understood this. Look, I can't take this message and make you understand it. I can, I can articulate it as clear as I can. I can make it as clear as I can. But ultimately, he's got to turn the light on. He's got to open your eyes so you can see it. And so sometimes I think when we're, you know, if you have somebody out there and hopefully you are, you're, you're praying for and you want to share the gospel with, and it may be tough, and, and there's things where you go, you know what, I, there, there's nothing I can do that's actually going to, other than just be there, articulate, reason as best I can, but ultimately the Spirit has to turn the light on. It's a wisdom that sees beyond the here and now. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these things the Lord has prepared for those who love him. It's, it's a wisdom that's imparted by the Spirit of God. And so the spiritual wisdom, notice as we read this in the text how much this is repeated. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities and spiritual taught words. That's ministry. Taking spiritual words and putting them into spiritual, in, in spiritual realities and, and speaking them in spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and can't understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct them? We have the mind of Christ. So basically what he's saying here is, look, when it comes to this spiritual wisdom, it grows from two things. The word of God and the spirit of God. Wisdom in the spiritual life grows from when you know the word of God and the spirit takes that inspired word and applies it into your life. So the Holy Spirit takes spirit-inspired scriptures 
fills the Spirit-filled church to reveal Christ to those whom the Spirit is drawing. And so it's this spiritual exercise in which he is working it through. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. And Paul says it doesn't come by the natural mind. No matter how the intellect, you, you can't grasp this because it's spiritually discerned, which is why he quotes Isaiah 40. Who has known the mind of the Lord so to instruct them, but we have the mind of Christ. And then he applies it to the areas of life that this wisdom goes beyond. And so there's knowledge. I know the word of God, which then gives me spiritual insight as the spirit applies that word in my life and allows me to apply it to whatever circumstance it is because not always, you're not always going to get you know, a verse that says, here's what you should do. But what wisdom says is wisdom takes the word of God that the spirit is inspired applies it in your life and gives you wisdom then to be able to move forward and take actions that would be wise. That's, that, that's the process. And so Paul applies it. And the reason that Paul is even going here is because this would affect how all the divisions that are going on in the church right now. He says the reason you have these divisions in the church is because you're going the way of the wisdom of men. And you're getting these guys that are coming in and they're giving you the flowery talks and they're doing all that. Man, you're, you're, you're gravitating towards them and you're going, wow, man, this is it. And it's making you think less of someone else who maybe, who, who really connects with Apollos, you know, or connects with Paul, you know. And, and so he says in each one of those then, what you're doing is, is you're allowing the wisdom of men to come in and, and cause division. He says, but if you would know it, what you're going to know here is because it's all centered on the cross and it's the word of the cross, that tells you then there's someone higher. These are just men. We're going towards Christ. Christ is the ultimate, so he's the one who brings it. And knowing that then will keep you from thinking that you're better from someone else who's following somebody different. This is what Paul goes, look, this is the basis of where this is all coming from. And we apply that to our lives. Say, for instance, when it comes to relationships, and if you're in a relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or whatever it is, you're going to have conflict. It's inevitable. Now, the way of men would be able to go, look, you burn me, I burn you. You know, I'm going to, I'll run. I'm going to go. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to do whatever. I'm not going to do that. You know, what this is, is Ephesians 4, 3, 2, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's the spirit-inspired word who then takes that and goes, how are you applying that now? Which then helps him to be wise in the situation and then move toward them and go, but let's, let's reconcile this because ultimately there's much, much bigger things to go on. And so it shapes how then I move toward relationships out of this spirit-inspired wisdom. It empowers me to resolve. The fact is there's conflict. The situational insight is that the word says forgive one another. And so i got to figure out, okay, how am I going to apply that here? And then I move toward that. You can apply it towards current events. Say there's something like a hot one now, like immigration. And you look at it and you go, okay, what's the facts about immigration? It's broken. I don't think there's anybody on the planet that wouldn't go, in the United States, we have a broken immigration system. It's broken. 
It's not working. You know, and then you go, okay, well, what, what, what does, you know, God, if he's going to give me some wisdom on this, he's going to give me the word, and he's going to give me the spirit to be able to apply that. Does the word have anything to say on that? Leviticus 19.34 says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. You shall love them as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, that doesn't give me a specific policy. That gives me a heart to move toward wisdom. So how I view an alien and a stranger is going to be different. I'm going to go with compassion. Because, see, if I go the way of men, I'm going to go one of two ways. I'm either going to go completely shut it down, let no one in, or I'm going to go the other way, which is there's no borders. Everybody come in. Which neither one helps anybody. And so you go, so how do I move forward then with the word of God going, how do I have compassion and yet move forward so that it doesn't just taint me, so that I just, I go the way of whatever the news is saying. How can I be different? How can I, how can I take the knowledge I have, apply the word of God to the spirit of God, so that I don't become hardened and I don't lose a soft heart towards anyone who maybe wasn't born here, or even if I have Someone who's living next to me, who's here illegally, you know, and I go, well, I might disagree of how you got here, but does that then lessen my compassion for them? Now, I understand when we're talking about this on an individual basis and you're talking about this on a national basis, there, there's, there's, there's two different things here. And, and so there, there are things that are way higher than I can understand. I'm just talking about you and I practically as we go through life. How do we have wisdom when it comes to all the areas of life? And the reason Paul applies this with the Spirit is he's going to look. The the Spirit is going to take the Word of God, and he's going to take the Spirit of God, and he's going to reveal it in your life, first to draw you to Christ, and then to help you shape you as you grow and you uh, walk with him. Let me give you one more, and then then I'm done. You know, hopefully we've challenged you to be praying for somebody to be praying for, for the lost to come to know Christ. And so we've set our alarms for 501. So every day my alarm goes off at 501, meaning our area code, which is Ephesians 5.1, you know, which is imitate Christ. And so at 501, my alarm goes off. It reminds me to pray for the person who God has laid on my heart to come to Christ. And so at 501, every day I pray for them. And so my person who's my, on my one list you know, that I'm praying for, is tough not to crack. He's a hard one. He's, he's, he's far from the gospel. And so what my, what my goal in it is, is my goal is, God, you got to give me wisdom because I know you're, the knowledge is he needs Christ. That's the fact. The situational insight is that I need you through the Spirit to let me know when to say what and when not to say what. I need you to provide opportunities for me to walk into that you've set up because this is you leading. The last thing I want to do is go in like a bulldozer on my own because I got the truth. You need it. I'm bulldozing my way in. And I'll tell you what, I have accosted many believers in my early days or non-believers in my early days because I had the truth, I had the desire, and I bulldozed my way in. And it was like the spirit going, ah, you forgot something. 
You, you, you took the word of God and you went at it and you're going it on your own and you forgot to bring me with you. <laughs> and it isn't going to work. And, and so I, I need you to let me lead and watch. And, and, and boy, I'll tell you what, when he does it, it works a lot better. I mean, go figure. You know, it's his work. He changes hearts. And so he says, look, I'm going to give you situational insight of how you can work through and you can begin to go and you can see how I'm going to do. Because, look, he says, I have a much greater heart for people than you do. I know you got a people great. You know, you got a desire for people to come to know you. Me even more. I went to the cross. Remember? And so he gives a situational insight. I don't know, I just felt like on this one this morning that we just needed a practical understanding of what wisdom is. It's taking knowledge that leads to spiritual insight then that leads to actions. Let's take it home. Worship team, you can come on up. You know, I find it really interesting that the wisest person that ever lived other than Jesus on this earth, Solomon, ended up becoming a fool. I mean, he, he was so wise, other nations would come around him just to listen to him because he had knowledge that was, was empowered by the Holy Spirit and he was just able to just use wisdom and circumstances. What happened? The same thing that had happened to you and I. He kind of got full of his wisdom and thought, whoa. Because having knowledge isn't enough, right? You can know the word of God and act like a fool. But we need the word of God that humbly comes into our lives. And I think what it is, is, is the, 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 the wiser he got, the more he kind of got on his own presses and kind of the more he walked away. And much like I did when I used to share the gospel and I would bulldoze my way in, Solomon's going, I got this. You know, and, and he just, the more distance he put in between him and God. And the wisdom began to fade, and he became a fool. The wisest person to ever live became a fool. So when James says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So what does that mean now? That's me going, God, give me knowledge. Give me your word. Help me apply that word, particularly when it isn't a specific thing I can apply it to. Help me to apply your word through the power of the Spirit in this situation so that I can walk the way that you would want to walk now. And help me apply that in every area of life. Let's stand. Let's sing our last song. Man, that, 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 that song right there is a boxcar of truth. I don't know about you, I sang that, and I, I got gospel bumps all over. I mean, that, that is just uh, so full of truth. And, you know, and the Spirit takes that. He says, now let's work this into your life. And it's not a fast push-button process. This, this is a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna infuse this into your life so that you will look more like me and act more like me as you walk in the world and you will be wise. Look, I don't know what the Spirit is doing. There may be some of you here who the Spirit is drawing. And he's saying, look, I've been calling your name for some time and you've just been dancing around it. You've been going to church. You've been dancing around it. You got a Bible. You know some verses, but you don't know me. 
and it begins with knowing him. If you would love to know him and you have questions about that, please come. We'd love to talk with you about that. We have the, uh, the Lord's table on both sides of the stage. Come forward, uh, partake with him this morning. Uh, you know what to do. Go love first. We love because he first loved us. Have a great week.